It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be continuing our reaction to the news regarding the European Super League. We're going to be talking about Stan Kroenke's role in all of this. And quite frankly, Stan Kroenke, you can stick your Super League up your ass. Honestly, that's how I feel. Um, when the news first broke, I was very careful not to go off on one. I was very careful to sit, consider, um, think about, you know, how this would impact the world of football, how this would impact my football club, um, you know, what it means for the sport moving forward. I wanted to sit and process all the information. I wanted to hear from different people. I wanted to understand the knock-on effect that this would have and the implications that this would have before I went completely off on one about it. But the more I read, the more I listen to, the more I process in my own head, the worse this seems. And the fact is, the future of football, as we've all known it, the game we all love, could be about to change massively. And that change is not a positive change. There's going to be various elements that we're going to talk about during this podcast, right? Because I, I do, I want to get this out early. I do think that a the idea of a European Super League in place of the Champions League, whereby the clubs bypass UEFA, is not actually the worst idea in the world. It really isn't. I'm not a massive fan of UEFA. I think UEFA have done so many sort of underhanded things throughout their time. They've done so many things that have been questionable. They've made baffling decisions on countless occasions. But you have to back them on this. You have to back them on this. Do I have an issue with the current Champions League format? No, I don't. Because I, I adore the Champions League. For me, it is the pinnacle. For me, it's what I look forward to watching most especially when Arsenal were in it. But even without Arsenal being in it, you won't catch me missing a Champions League night of football because I love I love the feeling of the European Cup. I love the fact that it's special. I love the fact that it goes from a group stage whereby, you know, you're going to play a, a variety of teams and you're going to play teams that you probably never played before in your history. In some cases, you might travel to some obscure places when some of these teams, you know, manage to, to qualify their way through to the group stage. But the great thing about it is teams from anywhere of any standing, if they achieve domestically and they get through the qualifying rounds, they can find themselves in the group stage. They can find themselves in the big time. The idea of Arsenal playing against elite clubs every week is not a bad idea. That's not what bothers me in this. 
if I think back to some of my favourite games, uh, you know, as an Arsenal fan over the years, games that I've been lucky enough to attend, some of my favourites have been games against those elite clubs. And why? Because they were special occasions. And if you tell me on the face value that we will get more and more of these top quality football matches, in my mind, it makes sense. I want to see the best teams play football. I love this sport at every level, but in particular at the elite level, because it is brilliant. It is fantastic. But the format of this competition does not work for me. And when I say the format, I'm not talking about the idea of the two groups of 10 and the fact that that's played in a round robin style. I actually quite like that. And that's very similar to the route the Champions League are going down. So UEFA would be hypocrites to slam the format of the competition in terms of how it actually plays out. But the problem here is not that. The problem here is that this would be a closed shop competition. Let's not talk about the five that will be invited in the competition that could qualify for the competition. Because again, even that is elitist. You're going to bring in five clubs from what? The top five European leagues and invite them in each season. But where's the incentive for Arsenal? And I'm not talking about solely Arsenal because all of these, um, you know, all of these clubs are, are to blame. All of these clubs have had a part to play in this. All of these clubs have signed up to this. But I focus on Arsenal, not because I, I intend to dig Arsenal out specifically, but because Arsenal is my club and it's the club I can speak best about. But what incentive would Arsenal, if this Super League was to go ahead, have to win it? Absolutely zero. To win it, you would need to spend money to bring in the players to be able to compete with the best clubs in the world. It's a league format. You're not going to get these glorious Champions League runs that you get now where you get a spot of luck and you get through the round of 16. And then a penalty decision goes your way in the quarterfinals. And before you know it, you're in the last four and you've got as good a chance as anybody of winning the competition. That magic goes from this because it becomes a case of who can be the most consistent over the course of that period. And, and the thrill of knockout football disappears. So that's one thing. But the other thing is, if you've signed up to a 23-year deal, which is what we're being led to believe, What's the incentive for Arsenal to actually use the money that they're generating, the additional revenue that they're generating from this competition to spend it on new players? Where's the incentive? There is none. And Mr. Cronkey and all of his cronies will be putting it all straight into their pockets because they won't give a shit if Arsenal finish 15th, if Arsenal finish 20th in the Super League because Arsenal will be one of the founding members and Arsenal will be immune to relegation, immune to any consequences. And that is the bit that I can't get my head around. That is the bit that I can't understand. I would rather Arsenal were in the Champions League struggling to win it, but had that thrill and knew in their heads that it was possible if things went our way, that we could get to the latter stages of the competition, then just be somebody who who's just happy to be in a competition. What's the point in that? You know, what is the point in that? I want to talk about competitive balance. How will there be competitive balance 
in the domestic leagues. Now, the Super League have done quite well to try and package this up and pretend that, you know, they, they want to leave domestic football exactly how it is. But we all know that's impossible because there's already a gap financially between the big six clubs in the UK, the six that have signed up and the rest of the Premier League. And by their inclusion in this Super League, that gap will only increase further. That gap will only get wider and wider and wider. And I spoke yesterday on my sort of initial reaction video uh, to, to this whole thing about the fact that I felt Arsenal probably, if this was going to happen anyway, they, they had to be in it. Because if you're in it, financially, you're going to benefit hugely. And if you're not in it, well, quite frankly, you're fucked. So, you know, Arsenal are in it and I'd rather be in it than not in it. But I still don't think the way we've gone about this and the fact that we've completely disregarded the, the football ecosystem is acceptable. And, and, and I've, I'm a fan who's always been particularly proud of the class that this club have shown over the years in certain situations. But, you know, this is a this is a kick in the teeth to all of us who have defended this football club over the years for trying to stay classy, for operating under a self-sustaining model, for not, you know, not going down the Man City, Chelsea sugar daddy route, whereby you've got the money coming in from someone who, who sees the club as a bit of a toy and, um, you know, and, and, and wants to just bring in all the best players. But actually in trying to be the opposite to that, We've gone down a worse route. We've gone down an even worse route because we've got somebody at our football club who could not give a shit about Arsenal Football Club. I can understand. I, I can't understand it, but I can take the. I can take the passive ownership style. I can take the self-sustaining model and the fact that Mr. Cronky is never really going to put his hand in his pocket to bring us in the players we need because to him, competition is not what it's all about. It's all about the balance sheet. I can take that to a degree as long as the people within the football club are doing their best with the resource available and are trying to be competitive. I don't like it and it's not where I think Arsenal belong, but I can accept it. I can live with it. What I can't live with is an owner who's shown zero interest, an owner who's been passive, an owner whom I can count on my hand how many times he's been at a Premier League game to watch this football club go in and selling our club out. Because Arsenal Football Club is not Stan Kroenke. Arsenal Football Club is not even the 25 players that are in the Premier League squad. The football club is us, the fans. The only reason Arsenal are even in discussions or were even considered to be part of this Super League? Because let's be quite honest, we haven't won a Premier League title since 2004. The only reason we're in the conversation is because we had a sustained period of success a couple of decades ago, three decades ago, whatever, overseen by Arsene Wenger, and we became a global football club. And the fan base increased, 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 and is now at a level that surpasses most of the Premier League clubs. Only Manchester United and Liverpool are bigger football clubs than Arsenal in terms of actual size, in terms of following. That's why Arsenal are at the table here. Not because we've been competitive, not because we're at the top of the Premier League. And a couple of you sort of asking in the chat, how, how did Spurs get considered? Well, Spurs, in terms of their commerciality, in terms of their marketing, in terms of the way they've gone about things in the last decade or so, have done very, very well. 
they've done very well. Daniel Levy is a is a I can't stand the guy, but you you can't get away from the fact that he's done a very very good job of bringing Tottenham Hotspur from a commercial standpoint up to a similar level to some of the other Premier League giants, and he's done that enough to be able to get them into the conversation. And that will probably be Daniel Levy's biggest achievement at Spurs was getting them into this point, getting them to this point where they were part of the uh, of the conversation. But for me, as I say, again, you know, I, kind of harping on again, I have no problem with a new competition being formed. I have no problem with the clubs getting together and saying, I tell you what, you know, why are UEFA benefiting so hugely from ultimately what we're doing week in, week out? Why can't we go off and do this? Why can't we have a European competition of our own? But it's the close shot bit that really gets me. It's the fact that they're trying to create an elitist group in which nobody can break into. That is my issue. That is the big problem here. And that has a real negative impact on the rest of the competitions. The Premier League teams, the rest of the Premier League teams, not only are they going to have to contend with the fact that actually the financial gap between the big six and themselves has increased further, but they actually don't stand to gain anything if they do manage to break in to that that group of six and do manage to finish at the top of the table or second in the table or third in the table. You know, it just to me, it doesn't make sense. You're taking away the essence of what makes football so special. And I can't speak for everybody sort of across the pond. And I know there are loads of Arsenal fans uh, over in the States, in Canada. I know that there are loads of you that watch this and listen to this. And I know that you guys all love the club just as much as we do. Can't speak for all of you, but I'm pretty certain when I say that I bet the reason a lot of you were attracted to UK football in the first place was because of its structure, because of the fact there is jeopardy, because of the fact you can be promoted, you can be relegated, you could qualify for elite competitions, you can fail to qualify for elite competitions rather than the MLS, where again, it is a closed shop where, you know, somebody can rock up, David Beckham, for example, most recent example, throw some millions at the league and all of a sudden he's got himself a franchise and he's got a team. These clubs that we're talking about, you know, Chelsea and Manchester City don't particularly have rich histories prior to when they were taken over by their rich sugar daddies, but they had history. You know, it, it might not have been successful history. It may not have been the kind of history that people looked at and went, well, these guys are, you know, you know, these guys are, have got a great history. We'll go and support them. But they had a history. And that history is part of what's beautiful about this game. The fact that Chelsea were on the brink of being bankrupt to then 10 years later being at the very pinnacle of European football is what makes football so special. And to take that away by creating this elitist group of people who won't let anybody else in, will invite five other clubs in each season, just for me, seems absolutely mad. I talked about Kroenke. I talked about my disappointment in him. And, and that, for me, is the biggest disappointment in all of this. You know, this guy, he knew about this. When he bought the full part of the club, the full shares in the club, sorry, 
He knew exactly what was coming. These discussions are not new. We were almost blindsided a little bit by it at the weekend because I don't think any of us expected it to be so aggressive, i.e. the clubs actually announcing it. But I think we all knew that it was a discussion that's been going on for a long time. I actually was sent uh, earlier by somebody in the chat, Top Tickers. Big thank you for that. Sent me a newspaper article from 1992 where there was talks about a European Super League. So this is not a new concept. But this has happened now as a result of owners mismanaging their football clubs, driving their football clubs into a position where financially the global pandemic has almost proved fatal and now looking to secure the financial futures of their clubs at the expense of everybody else. And when I say that, I talk about Florentino Perez in particular because Real Madrid have been run appallingly. Real Madrid, a club who I grew up in awe of, have been run into the ground by Florentino Perez and his desire to be grand, his desire to show to the world that Real Madrid are the most powerful football club on the planet. That obsession has driven them into a position where the pandemic has left them on their asses, left them on their knees. And now they've accelerated these plans because it will benefit them and it secures their future for the next 20 odd years. But it's a selfless act. It's an act at a time when people should be sticking together that actually gives the complete opposite message. It's a mess. It's a nightmare. It's no coincidence they want to do it now, is the point I'm making. Barcelona too, also on their knees financially. All of the Premier League clubs have been hit by the pandemic. I go back to that point again and again and again. I have no issue with a new European competition being established, but the nature of this competition stands to ruin everything that football is about. And, you know, you talk about it being almost Americanized. I know a lot of people here in the UK have been talking about that and have been saying that. And what they mean by that, and it's not being disrespectful, but what they mean by that is the, the model under which it would operate feels very NFL, feels very NBA. And that works for those sports because that's how they've always been. But the culture here, the culture in Europe, isn't built for that. And you can't take hundreds of years of history. You can't completely change the way institutional football clubs who have been around Everton, 1879, they were established. You know, I don't know why Everton, I know it's on their badge or 1878, whatever it is, just comes to my head. But, you know, it you cannot just flip everything that's been good about this sport for so many years that has made it the number one sport in the world. And it is the number one sport in the world. You can't do that. You cannot flip it. You cannot change it. You cannot disrupt the, the balance. You cannot damage the ecosystem in the way these guys are proposing to do and just think there'll be no consequence and that everybody would just sit there and take it. That's what drives me really, really crazy. Kroenke knew this. This was always Kroenke's intention. Kroenke has never got involved in anything. He's been so passive when it comes to his ownership of Arsenal. And I think if you talk to most sensible Arsenal fans, when they complain about him, they're not really complaining about the money that he's that the club has spent. 
during his ownership because the club have spent money. The problem is the fact that Arsenal just seems to be so far down his priority list. I wonder if Arsenal going into this Super League will change that. I wonder if all of a sudden Stan Kroenke will see Arsenal as one of his biggest cash cows and all of a sudden focus more attention. That doesn't make a difference to me or you as a fan, though. You know, I, I can't turn off from Arsenal. I won't stop watching Arsenal, even if, um, you know, they go into, into this Super League. But will I be as passionate? Maybe not. Maybe not. You know, and, and that scares me. That scares me because I centre so much of my life and my work around this football club that for it to completely, you know, almost be devalued, it, it just it, it upsets me. It really, really upsets me. And as I said, initially, when I heard the proposal and I looked at it, I thought, okay, the idea of the competition is not bad. And I still think that. But now we've had time to process the repercussions of it and what it will do to the wider footballing world and our club. I can't get behind this. I just can't. I can see there are loads of questions coming in in the chat box and I will pick up on questions. I promise. I know I've been ranting for the best part of 20 minutes now. Um but I feel like I got so much to get off my chest. And yesterday I was, I put out an initial video in the morning and as the day's events unfolded, um, you know, I got really, really busy with work and, and didn't get a chance to, to record another episode. And so I want to get this out today and I want to make sure I do as thorough a job of putting my points across as I possibly can. I want to talk a little bit about, about Monday night football last night on Sky Sports. Of course, Gary Neville, uh, and Jamie Carragher were the guests on there and they went big on this. They really did. Gary Neville called the Glazers scavengers. Um, he made some really, really good and sincere points. But in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, he spoiled it when he became a little bit childish. He spoiled it when he started acting immaturely. He spoiled it when he said he'd rather watch the champions of San Marino than Arsenal. He spoiled it um, when he started, you know, making it, you know, about, about sort of individuals. It's bigger than that. It's far bigger than that. And it's far bigger than singling out certain clubs. So, at a time where you need these people who have influence, who can get their points out there, who do get people behind them, it just feels a bit mad that you wouldn't take that opportunity to be sincere, make these important points, and instead you want a point score against rival clubs. For me, that didn't sit right. But I agree with the, the premise of what he was saying, and I agreed with what he was what he wants, but I just I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, he, he really went about it necessarily in the right way throughout the course of that program. And as uh, as Inter says in the chat, Neville has bullied his way through the lower leagues with Salford City. Hypocrisy. Exactly. Neville is one of a number of investors in Salford City, a club that was local to them when they were growing up, who were a non-league club. And they've pumped money into it and they've got them up to a certain point. What's the difference? Is that not elitism? I don't know. But you can't dig out Chelsea. You can't dig out Manchester City for the, the way they operate and then go and do it just on a smaller scale. If Gary Neville had the millions that Roman Abramovich does or, or 
Sheikh Mansour does at Manchester City. I'm sure he would have done the same thing, but he doesn't. So it does feel a little bit hypocritical when, you know, the, the principle is the same. Let's talk a little bit about what UEFA proposed to do, what FIFA proposed to do, what they can do to try and stop this. Now, I said yesterday on my initial reaction video that the Premier League were in a very, very difficult position and they're actually now um, in between a rock and a hard place, right? Because on the one hand, they have made millions and millions and millions, even billions from selling the broadcasting rights to their competition. But the reality is, is that competition anywhere near as appealing to the broadcasters and to the sponsors without these six clubs in it? The answer is it is absolutely not. It isn't because the, those six clubs make up a huge proportion of the Premier League's global audience. The fact that the Premier League has a global audience is why the TV rights bring in so much money. It's why the Premier League has thrived. But you take those clubs out of it, in my opinion, and it's not even my opinion, it's fact, you lose a substantial percentage of that fan base. I would go as far as saying 75% of it disappears like that. Because those people in the far corners of the earth, wherever that may be, they are attached to the Premier League because more often than not, they have an attachment to one of those football clubs. That's what attracted them. That is what got them invested. And off the back of that, it's grown and it's grown and it's grown. And you take those football clubs away, the Premier League is not the same product. It's like taking the engine out of a Mercedes and putting, I don't know, what's a shit car make? A shit car make. I don't want to offend anyone in case it's their car. Put the engine from a shit car into a top class car it's not the same, is it? You know, it might look, the branding might all look the same on the outside, but it's not the same. The quality isn't there anymore. And there is an argument that the quality of the rest of the teams will improve. Yeah, it will. But in order to get that, in order to get that, you know, in order to get the Premier League back to where it is with those six teams in it, it's going to take time. And initially, the broadcasting deals aren't going to be as good. And it's about how those clubs are then managed during that period where the income is less. Can they uh, push on? Can they progress? Can they get the standard back up to where it was and in turn get the audience back up to where it was? That remains to be seen. So it's not a given. It's not a given. Um that the Premier League would ever recover from kicking those teams out. But I think that if they really do want to make a stand, they have to do it. They have to be harsh. I know it, it's a it's a thing that could backfire and could bring years of pain and years of significantly reduced income, but it has to be done. It has to be done. And La Liga have to do it and Serie A have to do it. I talked about it yesterday. Um, you know, I talked about it yesterday and said that, that these leagues wouldn't do it and they probably can't afford to do it. But but the only way to stop this is is by having the balls to do it and follow through. UEFA have to kick them out of all the competitions. UEFA have to do everything they possibly can from a legal standpoint to stop these players competing in other competitions, to stop these players playing for their countries, because only then 
when the repercussions and the consequences are that serious, will the players start to make their feelings known? Because, yeah, some have come out and, and condemned it, but a lot won't because a lot don't have the balls to do it. So until you're actually impacting them and their careers are what they can do, and a footballer's career is short, until you start impacting that, they will not revolt. And then the clubs will just continue to get away with the murder they're currently getting away with. Big hello to uh, Splice, have I said that right, in the live chat. Massive thank you um, for your very kind Super Chat donation. Says, Harry, just taking a step back for a second, how does it feel to cover the biggest sports story in history, the football reform? I'd rather not be covering it and it not be happening, um, if I'm honest. But yeah, it's, it's something that you'll look back on in years and say, yeah, I remember when that happened. And it, it is a historic thing. But fingers crossed it doesn't materialize into being anything and then we don't have to don't have to worry about it. But thank you for your kind donation. Thank you for your question. And and now's the time, guys, to get your questions in the live chat. I realize I've been talking for half an hour, um, but I've got so much to get off my chest and I've probably missed some points as well that have been going through my head in sort of the last 24, 48 hours. But this is massive for football. This is damaging for football. I hope that UEFA find a way to enforce all the sanctions that they're talking about. I do worry, though, that for these clubs who are run by very clever, shrewd people to have come this far, i.e. to have announced it the way they have, I think they would have anticipated this response. And I think they would have found ways around it or at least thought they'd found ways around it prior to coming this far. I'm kind of hoping and and banking on the fact that maybe the desperate situation the pandemic has left many of them in has led to them actually rushing this and rushing this to the point where they've made a mistake. Something that UEFA, something that FIFA, something that the remainder of the clubs, something that the authorities can then exploit in order to prevent this happening. That is my hope. But who knows? Big hello to Vinesh, who says, uh, good afternoon, Harry. Do you think the big six will now raid the rest of the Premier League players? Well, this is one of the problems, Vinesh, is that they would have the money to essentially bully these other clubs into selling all their players. So when people say the rest of the Premier League will thrive without them and it will grow, will it? I'm not sure it will, because those clubs are already going to have to contend with reduced income from TV rights and sponsorships because of the fact that those clubs would not be in the Premier League. And then they're going to be in a position where those clubs who are coming for their players know they have to sell. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I think the big six will do it. But I think, again, that is another reason as to why this could make things so much worse and could completely disrupt the competitive balance. And listen, the competitive balance right now isn't perfect. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves, but it will get even worse. And, and the worse it gets, the more difficult it is to correct and to put right. So that's a big problem, but really, really interesting question. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, big hello to former Arsenal man, Kevin Campbell. Hope you're well, Kevin, and um, welcome to the programme. says, hi, Harry. Hope you're well. It's been coming for years. I don't like it at all, yet it is inevitable, I'm afraid. I, I agree. Um, you know, it does feel inevitable. If we, as fans, 
do everything we possibly can to stop this and it still goes through. I will be able to sit back and say, I don't like it. Perhaps my interest in the game will dip. Perhaps I'll grow to like it. I don't know. But as we have to do everything we can. And if we do that, that's all we can do. And if it goes ahead anyway, then, you know, life's too short to worry about things that are out of your control. But I do genuinely believe that the fans, the authorities can do something about this now. And, and for me, that is why I'm so passionate about it. So let's, let's all get together. Let's do it. Um, you know, it's massive. Steve Zed, one of our members, how you doing, Steve, says, can you talk a little bit about the potential punishments if this ESL ends up getting squashed and doesn't happen? That would be really, really interesting, won't it? That would be really interesting to see what happens if the clubs do come crawling back. Will they be treated differently? Will they be looked upon in a different light after all of this has happened? I'm sure they will be. Um and that is obviously a big problem for these clubs, which is another reason why I don't think they'd have gone this far if they didn't really believe and feel that they could get this over the line. Feridun says, Harry, do you still support your club? Of course I support Arsenal Football Club. I, You can support a club without agreeing with what they're doing. You can love someone without agreeing with, with the way they act. You know, once that affection is there, you can't get rid of it. You know, it is there, it's in your heart, it's ingrained in you, it's part of you. But that doesn't mean that you overlook every every mistake, that you can accept every decision. But yeah, yeah, of course I support my, my football club and I never will stop supporting my football club. But this feels like a massive stab in the back. Um, and And if it does go ahead and it goes the way I expect it to go, how... I, can I hand on my heart say that I will enjoy going to football as much, that I will be the way I am now, where my calendar is based around it? Family function, who cares? Arsenal playing, it's more important. That mindset will probably soften in the event that this goes ahead and goes the way I think it's going to go, which is not well. Alcup says, will you still support Arsenal if the Super League is the only league we are in? I'd always want Arsenal to do well, of course. It's, it's sim- very similar to the last question, Alcott. Thank you. But yeah, I would. I would obviously support. But yeah, it's. Um, I'd still be hurt. I'd still feel it here. And, and that's the big, the big issue for me. Because when you've got nothing but warmth and love for your football club, that to, for that to turn dark and, and, and basically into resentment is, is a really horrible thing. And I don't want that. I don't want to feel that. And I'm sure every other Arsenal fan in the world doesn't want to feel that. But what they've done here is criminal. It's absolutely criminal. Spiral Sam says, Harry, why are we all saying sanction the club, which will affect the players when this is not their fight? Is there a way to sanction, fine or remove the owners of this club? It's a really, really good point because it's the owners of these football clubs that want this to happen. It's not the supporters. It's not the players. It's not the managers. It is the owners of this football club. But the Premier League have caused this and created this themselves. Because the minute you start allowing people to just come in from God knows where, wave their money 
and you hand them the keys to some of this country and sport in general's biggest institutions, you are giving them the keys to that car. So don't be surprised when they go and wrap it around a lamppost or a tree. Because you have given them the keys, you've given them that capability. So you can't sit and cry about it when um, when it goes wrong. And that, that's my problem. You know, these owners are there now. They own the football clubs. There's nothing we can do about it. All we can do is act in a way where we affect them in the pocket. And we might have to see our clubs run down into the ground before these guys will say, well, this is not a profitable business anymore and leave. You know, fan pressure is great, but if an owner is is pocketing money, does he really give a shit? Does he really care? Look at Mike Ashley at Newcastle from the day he took charge or shortly after that, people were against him. But it's, um, you know, he, he stayed there and he, and he continues to, to pocket profits, but doesn't give a shit about the football club, doesn't give a shit about what the fans think about him. So the scariest thing about this is that in a world, in a day and age where broadcasting revenue is far more significant than the revenue brought by match-going fans, it feels like we have less power. And, and, and having less power means that we can't influence the way things go at our club as much as we'd like. And in turn... The owners who not only legally own the club, but have complete say and don't have to worry necessarily about that fan going pressure are given a platform on which to do pretty much whatever they want. Uh, Jack Burgess says, Harry, we're not just in the Super League as a founding member. We're one of the driving forces behind it. This prick has stolen our identity as a club. He absolutely has. And I'm I'm disgusted in Cronky for this. Because I'm certain when you look at the role he played in this, and he played a very significant role, as did Joel Glazer, as, as Gary Neville pointed out yesterday, someone who never puts his name to anything. These guys were at the absolute forefront of this. It's why they have big roles inside the European Super League as vice chairman, etc., etc., because they have been instrumental in this and they've sold us out. So I'm absolutely livid about it. And the more I learn about Kroenke's involvement, the more I learn about how Arsenal, you know, were were one of the driving forces. I mean, the cheek, the audacity of Arsenal Football Club, who are currently languishing in mid-table. We haven't seen a decent fucking team go out on that pitch. We're in the red and white of Arsenal in years. And all the meantime, these arseholes are sitting at the table as if they're elite. Your football team is far from elite. You've run this football club down into the ground. And all of a sudden, you want to go at the top table. You want to sit with the big boys and you want to dictate terms and you want to force through Super Leagues. It's not acceptable. Sam says, do you see any way this could be turned into a positive so clubs can be partly fan-owned? Or if the ESL doesn't happen somehow, Cronky might sell up. That's a really good point, Sam. And I do think that if the Super League fails you you would potentially see some of these owners selling up and moving on from it because if they can't see it working under the structure that we're currently operating under, then they may feel that their businesses are, are not winners anymore and want to sell. But if this Super League does go ahead, 
then for at least the next 23 years, which is the term of the contract agreed by these football clubs, their futures are safe. They will be making profits without any issue and they have no reason to walk away from their businesses. As I said, sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. But, you know, we've got to, we've got to, absolutely got to stop this Super League going through. Uh, Carrie says, uh, what can fans do? Just kick up the, the biggest stink possible, I guess. Um, you know, it's it's the only thing we can do at this point. And without us, these football clubs, they're nothing. They're nothing but hollow institutions. And, um, and uh, you know, the very heart of the sport that we all love is just being ripped out of our football clubs ripped out of our competitions. The very essence of competition has been spat at, disrespected. And um, and it's a, a really sad time, really sad time. <sighs> I feel so so down about it, so downbeat about it and so concerned. I've, I've never been this concerned about the state of this sport in my entire life. And this thing has the potential to, you know, it, it, this thing has the potential to either ruin the game completely or shine a light on all of the issues we have in our sport with regards to ownership, commerciality, etc., etc., and inspire us to go out there or inspire the powers that be to go out there and put those things right. But yeah, interesting. Let's see what happens. As I always say to people, try not to get stressed about the things that are out of your control because it only does you harm. And I'm doing, I'm going completely against my own advice here because I am really worried about this. Really, really worried. I want to say a massive thank you to everybody for joining us in the live chat for this one. It's been a great, um, a great therapy session from, for me. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Um, we're going to be back tonight with the social club. Uh, we've been away for a few weeks with the social club, but I'll be joined by Simon and Lavi and Dan DeLuca tonight at 8.30 PM. And I know they've got very strong views on this as well. And we'll have a round the table, strong discussion about it. And um, I look forward to bringing you guys that. So that's our second live stream coming up today, 8.30 PM. If you're listening via the audio platform, that show will be available to you guys first thing tomorrow morning. So, um, yeah, catch you all later. Um, and until then, try not to stress. I'm saying it while I'm stressing until then, um, take care of yourselves and, uh, Stan Kroenke, you can stick your super league up your ass. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.